Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Joining us for episode number 29 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and this is a special release episode with an update aimed at giving more information to business owners about the much anticipated stimulus bill that was approved on Friday of last week, as we were recording here on April 2nd of 2020. So we wanted to check in with you and let you in on what we know now, um, you know, anything that's changed and things you should take action on as a business owner, what you need to know um, moving forward. So I have two guests with me on today's show. I'm joined by one of our owners, Katina Peters, who you're all familiar with. She's one of our partners, CPA, CGMA, and business growth and profitability advisor here at PJS and Co. CPAs. Good morning, Katina. Good morning, Megan. Hey, we're talking about snow on the ground in your neck of the woods, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully the last of it. We'll see <laughs> up here in Montana, it, you know, can snow in June. So we'll see how it goes. Even here in San Diego, it's been cooler than normal. But for us, we're enjoying it because we don't really get cool weather like for spring. So it's it's a good break for us. But <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And we have another one of our CPAs and business growth and profitability advisors here with us today. She carries a master's of accountancy with an emphasis in tax and started her career as a tax CPA with Grant Thornton LLP. After 10 years there, she decided she wanted to start her own business with her husband and then eventually sold it. But now she acts as a CPA and business advisor, helping business owners with her experience in both accounting and as a business owner herself. So welcome to the show for the first time, Teresa Lauer. Thank you so much, Megan and Katina, for inviting me today. I do wish my first podcast with PGS uh, was under better circumstances, uh, but I think the unique thing about this episode is that it probably applies to almost every single small business out there in some way. So we really hope that we can help today. Um, and as you mentioned, I used to own uh, my own business, which was a doggy daycare of all things. And that's probably a topic for another podcast, uh, but I just had a quick story to share. Uh, in the state of Wisconsin, where I live, where our snow is gone, hopefully for good, but we're not sure. You never know. <laughs> My fingers crossed for you. <laughs> right. uh, we are on a safer at home order and all the non-essential businesses are closed. Uh, so when the order was released a week and a half ago, I was reviewing the list of businesses from our governor to see which of my clients would be affected. And I did have to laugh a little because I saw that doggy daycares were on the list as a, an essential business yep. and they were allowed to continue to operate. So, I mean, who doesn't think their pet is essential, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> well, and all those essential workers, they need somewhere to put their dogs if they've been doing that. So, yes. I mean, you figure... It's very true. Yes. Uh, but all joking aside, uh, these really are different times. I mean, a month ago, the phrase essential business wasn't even in the vocabulary of most business owners. And now it could mean the difference between whether a business can make it or not. Uh, so that's really where this new legislation comes in. 
Um, there is a lot of new federal legislation that's been enacted to help businesses and their employees. And these are really very new laws. As you said, the stimulus bill was passed just last week, Friday. Um, we're also going to back up a little bit and talk about the Families First Act, which was highlighted in episode 27, I think, mm -hmm. um, that we had shared with our audience. Uh, so we'll go through these. And really our goal today is to give you the highlights uh, the stimulus bill that was passed was over 800 pages, and that's just the law itself. Um, there are many different agencies like the IRS and the Department of Labor and the SBA, and they're all working really hard to quickly roll out these new programs to help businesses. And so we're hoping to give you the highlights, um, but that's really all we'll have time for today because of how extensive these programs are. And so we just want to make sure that as a business owner, you um, really seek guidance and make sure you know how these new rules will specifically impact your business as you're navigating this um, new world we're living in. Yeah, there's a ton of information coming at us constantly. And I know I was talking to Jamie Johnson yesterday and she said, I feel like I could work 24-7 and still not have all the information. Like, I know as accountants and CPAs, you guys are just working your butts off to get everything in place and learn as much as you can and, you know, get your, get a handle on what resources are available for our clients and our community and, and all of that. The, the information that you guys are, have put together for this episode, I'm excited to get it out there because I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of business owners. Yeah, we are too. And, and that's, you know, our goal. We just want to put the information out there, at least make sure everybody's aware of it and can seek help to, uh, you know, get what they can um, to help their businesses uh, through this difficult time. I also wanted to put out there that uh, we will be doing a webinar uh, next week um, on the 8th. Um, it's going to be at 12 Pacific time, uh, 3 Eastern time, and we're going to be discussing um, you know, making business decisions in uncertain times. And a little bit of that discussion will include this, um, but other things that you need to consider as a business owner uh, more holistically, again, in these uh, circumstances and what kinds of um, considerations you should be going through. So that's another thing I just wanted to let, you know, everybody know about. So if you want to get more information about how to approach that, we're going to be doing that as well. Yes. Thank you, Katina. And all of that information can be found on both our show notes for this episode at pjscpas.com forward slash 29 and at pjscpas.com forward slash business survival guide. So um, as Teresa mentioned, we were going to uh, kind of highlight and go through the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, um, though we did cover it previously. There's been some a lot of clarification coming out with regards to application and whatnot, so we felt it was probably good for us to just revisit that a little bit um, before we jump into the CARES Act, the Stimulus Act itself. Um, so just a quick introduction. Again, it was signed into law about two weeks ago on March 18th. Um, and it includes uh, two bills that are effective April 1st. So that was yesterday. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to Teresa here to give a little more about the details. So I just wanted to let everybody know kind of what we were going to be covering with regards to that. Sounds good. Thanks, Katina. Uh, so yes, it was the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which you might uh, hear people refer to it as the Family First Act. And really under it, there were two main bills that were passed um, that deal with mandatory sick leave pay for employees and an expansion of the Family Medical Leave Act. And so this new bill applies to businesses that have 500 or less employees. 
And so this uh, is something new for many businesses because typically businesses that had under 50 employees uh, didn't used to have to think about the Family Medical Leave Act. They didn't apply to them. But so we want to make sure that small businesses know that this law does apply to businesses with um, 500 or less employees. And it applies to leave that your employees would take between April 1st and December 31st if they're unable to work or telework. And when a business pays an employee that qualifies for paid leave under this act, the business does not have a choice whether to pay the leave, they must pay it, but they are provided with a refundable dollar for dollar tax credit from the federal government. And so that's uh, something we, we don't often see that you pay wages and you could have those wages fully reimbursed from the government. Um, I also just want to note that this uh, law does also apply to self-employed individuals. And so that's very unique as well. Uh, we won't get into the details of all of that, but that is an area to keep in mind that even if you're a sole proprietor, that these uh, laws that require the leave to be paid also allow you to obtain the tax credit if you do meet the requirements under this law. So one of the two laws that was passed was within this Families First Act was the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act. And this basically um, requires and, and provides for a credit uh, for 10 days of sick leave for yourself, if you're either subject to a quarantine order, advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine, or you have symptoms related to COVID-19 and you're seeking a medical diagnosis. Um, it also um, provides for 10 days, 10 days of sick leave pay and an offsetting credit if you're caring for other people in that, those situations I just listed, or if you're caring for a child whose daycare or school is closed. And so I thought this, when this bill was released, I have a nine and 11 year old. And I think for all of us that have kids where their school is closed, you know, life is so different <laughs> yeah. right now. We're all doing our day jobs and being, a, you know, homeschool teachers. And, you know, I even had to give my son a oh, haircut boy. the other day too. So I guess maybe I'm a <laughs> I saw well. a meme the other day. It was all the, the terrible haircuts from like the eighties. I know I had one and it was like, welcome back to the mom barber or something like that, to that effect. Like that just the bowl cuts and, and all that so <laughs> yeah pretty much so um so this bill does um cover sick leave play you know like i said for if your child's daycare or school is closed you know even if nobody is sick yet so um and then so that's the first part of the bill the emergency paid sick leave act the second part is the emergency family and medical leave expense expansion act and so this is the part where family and um, the family medical leave act which typically didn't apply to the smallest businesses now does and this part of the bill provides for 10 weeks of pay um, after two weeks of sick pay and it's it's for a qualifying need related to covid 19. And so the, there are caps on the amounts that are paid under these two bills. Um, so for example, under the Emergency Family, Family and Medical Leave Act, Expansion Act, the cap is 10 weeks at $1,000 a week. So you know a business could be paying out $10,000 per employee that qualifies under this act. And that's quite a hefty sum of money and very scary to many small businesses who are in you know, unchartered territory already at this time. So the um, good thing about this bill is that you do get the dollar for dollar 
federal tax credit to reimburse you for these wages. And I think Katina, you were going to talk a little bit about how a business can um, get those payroll costs reimbursed. Right, right. So we like to give the information. Then we also like to give a little bit of a, well, what does this mean for businesses? Um, so, you know, again, just to kind of recap, you know, businesses must pay this for employees. Um, they will get a payroll credit to help cover the costs of that. And then there's um, a couple of ways that that um, is then you can stop paying in cur- your current uh, payroll taxes. So your FICA, Medicare, tax withholdings that you would normally pay in with your payroll can be held so that you can help cover the actual payroll uh, net wages that are going out to your employees. And additionally, um, and this will all be trued up on the Form 941 at the end of the quarter, which is a payroll tax form that you have to file, which says what you withheld and what you owe in taxes. And then the credit will be calculated into that to true everything up. Um, additionally, you can file um, a request for accelerated payments as well. So if you know you need more money than just holding on to the withholdings, which you likely will, you can also file a Form 7200, which is rolling out uh, at this point. So that way you can get some money a little bit quicker um, so that you can continue to cover those wages that they're requiring be, be covered under this bill. We do also just want to mention that there are some exemptions available um, for employers that have 50 or less employees um, and they're under a threat of viability of the business. Um, again, that gets a little more into the weeds and the details. So if you think that's something you might need, um, you want to definitely seek some guidance and assistance from a professional to make sure that you qualify and, and how to go about, um, I guess, operating under that exemption. So just some things to be aware of there. So as you're talking through you know, being able to hold payroll taxes to cover the cost of the actual payroll itself. I was thinking about ADP and how they must be, and companies like them, paychecks that must be scrambling to try to figure this stuff out. Have you talked to ADP or anybody about how they're helping their clients do that? Or do you know how they're trying to figure that out? You know, um, the last conversation we had with them, they were, like you said, they were just scrambling to uh, primarily get their systems in a place to be able to handle this, to be able to track it, um, those kinds of things. Because, um, you know, as you know, they provide the payroll service, but also the filing of the quarterly reports yeah. for the payroll taxes. So, um, so all their systems have to be switched over to be able to handle all this. So they're um, working on that. We've been, you know, in contact with them. They've been sending us notices, et cetera. I don't have an actual answer to exactly what they're doing yet because I think they're sorting it all out. Um, But yeah, we're working on that. (laughs) Okay. So basically reach out to, if you have a payroll provider like ADP, Paychex, one of those, reach out to them for assistance with this stuff because that's all going to be different than what you've traditionally done. I don't, they're probably trying to make it so that you're still entering just hours or, you know, making it fairly straightforward for their clients. But I'm sure there's questions that people are going to have. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, I'm like, like you said, they're likely handling it more on the back end side of things then. Uh, so it's probably not going to change the user input too much, but, um, but yeah, definitely reach out to your rep and make sure that uh, you're coordinating with them. It's a big snowball effect with all this stuff that everybody's got to work together to try to find these answers. Absolutely. All right. So next we want to talk about the CARES Act and this is the one that was released last Friday. So I know there's a lot of components to it. 
Yes, as you said, Megan, this this bill was released last or signed into law last Friday. I think um, it's over 800 pages long. Um, it's two trillion dollars worth of aid. That's um, broken up into a lot of different areas. Uh, the piece that we're really focusing on today is the. $377 million of the $2 trillion that was earmarked for small businesses. And a lot of different um, components to that piece for small business. Um, the two main ones that we that I wanted to cover first are the loans um, that are available under this new CARES Act. And so there's two types of loans that we'll talk about um, and try to give you some highlights and details on. Um, but again, these are just highlights. There are lots of rules that go into these loans and calculating um, what the maximum amount you can borrow is, how the repayment terms work. Um, there's also forgiveness under um, the loans that we'll talk about. And so, again, we just want to make sure that everyone listening knows that these are the highlights and that you really should be talking with um, professionals, which would include your banker and accountant, and, um, to get the, you know, the details on the, what the specific facts would be for your business. So the first loan um, that's available under the CARES Act is called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or EIDL, which we're um, saying for short. And so this loan is, is available directly through this uh, SBA, which is a small business association, a part of the federal government. And the loan is for a maximum of $2 million. And the interesting thing about this loan is that it does allow for a $10,000 advance that can be made available to a small business within three days of applying for the loan. And so this is really unheard of to be able to get a loan from the government and have it processed within three days. Um, and, and when I say processed, the loan processed, what I mean is to have your initial short application processed to be eligible for this $10,000 advance. Wow. Uh, yes, very quick turnaround. Um, it's supposed to be. I haven't had a client yet that has had it deposited <laughs> into your bank account, but part of the application is to have you enter your routing number and bank account number um, so that the government knows where to, to send the money. And uh, that $10,000 advance does not have to be paid back, which again is a very interesting part of this program. Um, and on top of it, so on top of it being um, cash to a small business very quickly, uh, it doesn't have the 10,000 does not have to be paid back. It also does not count as income on your tax return. So oh, wow. we've got three really, <laughs> three really um, positive things for a small business there that's hurting, um, that may have been forced to close or has, you know, a really big reduction in in revenue, that's something to help. Um, you know, it's not a long-term fix, but it, it could really make a difference for a business in terms of being able to pay, um, you know, some of its bills and things like that in the very near near term. And so, uh, that loan, um, in order to apply, you do that directly on the SBA website, and then. What happens is you have a very short application to apply for that $10,000 grant, and then the SBA will contact you to um, let you know what information they need to apply for a larger sum of money. So like I mentioned, you can apply for up to a $2 million loan. The interest rate on that is 3.75% for businesses, which is you know, a very good rate. The term is up to 30 years, and you don't have to make a loan payment until one year after the loan starts. And really, this loan can be used for what a business needs. Um, the, the, it's not a very narrow definition in terms of what business expenses are. So you can use this to continue to operate your business, pay your employees, your rent, 
your utilities, um, all sorts of business expenses. There is a potential personal guarantee that you would have to make on this loan, and that's for loans that are over $200,000. And so I just want to point out, um, you know, I know businesses are in a difficult situation right now trying to figure out how to keep things going and um, trying to get the cash they need to keep their doors open if they can be open or to pay their employees. And so we do you know, advise that if there is a personal guarantee, you might have to sign for a loan that you really think about that because you know, I think some businesses are in crisis mode and, and you know, sometimes emotionally is a more difficult time, but just to make sure when you're applying for loans and thinking through the terms that you know, you're going to be comfortable with those terms when you know, a year from now or two years from now when hopefully we're in a very different spot in our economy. So that, that pretty much wraps up that economic injury disaster loan. And so then the other loan that I wanted to talk about is called um, uh, Paycheck Protection Program. It's the name of the program, which you may hear it referred to as PPP. And this is a, a, another loan through the federal government, but rather than being uh, working directly with the SBA, uh, the lender for this program is going to be a bank. And so you will need to work with a bank who you have an existing relationship with or a, a new bank, but it would have to be a bank that does what we call SBA 7A loans. And those are a type of small business loan. Uh, the max loan under this program is $10 million. So you can get a larger loan under this program. Uh, but this program has it, it has more details that go into calculating the loan amount. Um, the loan amount is based on your, your payroll costs. Uh, it's two and a half times your average monthly payroll costs measured over the preceding 12 months. So you can see already that we're starting to get into some more detailed calculations. Um, there is a maximum 10-year term on this loan, but what we've been seeing is that the SBA right now looks to be um, earmarking these loans for only a two-year term. So we're not entirely sure on that if all loans are going to be two years under this program or if it might vary, but that's going to be very different than the first loan I talked about where you have a term up to 30 years. So that's something for businesses to consider when they're um, thinking about which of these two loan programs might fit their situation best. Mm -hmm. um, the first loan payment is going to be at least six months after the loan originates. And then this loan um, has a little bit narrower um, definition of what you can use it for. It can be used for payroll, mortgage interest, rent, or utilities, typically those types of expenses. And you do not have to personally guarantee this loan. Uh, so the really interesting about this loan is that basically eight weeks of those expenses that I just mentioned, payroll, mortgage, interest, rent, and utilities, can be forgiven. Uh, so basically you would not have to pay that back. Um, but that's not an automatic uh, guarantee. You do have to apply for forgiveness with your bank lender um, by providing documentation of certain expenses, and the lender will have 60 days um, to let you know whether you will have uh, that part of your loan forgiven. So again, you would how this would work is you would apply for the loan, you would get the loan to help cover your business expenses, and then for an eight-week period, be very important that you track what you're using those loan proceeds for, because you'll have to then, um, after that period, if you'd like to see if some of that loan would be forgiven, you'll have to work with your lender to apply for that. And it's um, the lender will make a decision based on whether you meet some of the criteria that's been laid out by the, the law itself, the new law. Um, and some of those criteria are based on you maintaining your um, FTEs or your full-time employees. 
And so really the name of the program is the Paycheck Protection Program because their whole goal is to keep people on your payroll. They want businesses to keep paying their employees if they can. And so they've really created an incentive here to say, if you can do that, not only will you get a loan with fairly favorable terms, but we'll go ahead and forgive you know, about two months worth of expenses that you've had under this loan that you won't have to pay back. And so Teresa, I want to just ask a clarifying question. I've had other people ask that with regards to the forgiveness. It um, seems very focused on payroll, but um, uh, it seems to indicate that it's not just payroll, but those uses that the loan is actually permitted for. So I just wanted to make sure that we're clear with regards to that because I've had a lot of questions. Sure. Um, so what, um, what can be forgiven are payroll costs, mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. Those are the four types of expenses that can be forgiven. What we're seeing, um, again, guidance is coming out every day. Uh, what we've seen in a recent um, frequently asked question document from the Treasury is that roughly that you shouldn't expect more than 25% um, of your forgiveness to come from non-payroll costs. So, um, so I mentioned there's four types of costs. Payroll will be the one, the main one that they will forgive. And then if you have mortgage interest, rent and utilities, sounds like those, you know, they definitely are eligible for forgiveness, but they said plan on your bank, not forgiving, um, you know, more than 20, you know, if your forgiveness is going to be, I'm just making up a number $10,000, not more than 25% of that would be from non-payroll types of costs. So in that case, your, you know, your forgiveness with $10,000, 7,500 of that would have to be payroll costs. And then you could have 2,500 of mortgage interest, rent and utilities in the example. Okay. So again, not getting into all the nitty gritty calculations and whatnot, but obviously there's more that goes into this. So yeah, I'm glad we discussed that a little further because um, you know, I didn't want people to necessarily take away and be like, well, I just, all these expenses that I'm using the loan for can be forgiven. It's not quite that simple. Um, so, um, you know, again, kind of going into what this means for businesses, I wanted to go back and highlight what Teresa said at the beginning um, when she was talking about the other loan is, you know, you want to make sure that you're not just scrambling into these loans and not thinking about the other side. <laughs> so when we get past this, you know, the ability to repay, especially if there's personal guarantees tied to it um, and, you know, how the cash flow is going to work for you and the business. So you need to make sure that you're working with your accountant, uh, CPA, tax advisor, um, uh, business advisor, somebody to, to look at the long-term implications too um, and to be able to, you know, just make sure this, that whichever loan you choose to go with is the best fit for what you're trying to accomplish as well. Um, so we want to make sure that uh, we're looking at at it from a holistic perspective as well. Um, and then again, because there is a lot of nuances that go into this and um, calculating, you know, what you can get, calculating what you can have be forgiven so that you have at least a basic idea. Um, you know, again, it's still kind of a gray area. There's not complete clarification on all this, but um, but at least kind of going in eyes open with what's going on here is a good idea. Katina, I just wanted to add one last thing. You mentioned making decisions. So with these loans, um, you can apply for both as a business, small business, uh, but you cannot actually have both loans at the same time. So you can get the EIDL, that's the first loan I talked about. You could get that loan and roll it into the Paycheck Protection Program from what we understand, uh, but you could not do it the opposite way. You could not get the Paycheck Protection 
program loan and roll it into the EIDL loan. So that will be something too that you'll want to think about. Um, you certainly can apply for both and look at what kind of terms um, both loans would have based on your specific situation, but you probably um, will need to make a decision about which loan is going to be the best fit for your business. Perfect, great. Yes, <clears throat> thank you for covering that. Um, okay, so um, so getting kind of into a couple of the other components of the CARES Act. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the unemployment considerations. Uh, We're not covering all the individual stimulus things here, but this one affects business owners making decisions as well. So we're going to kind of briefly go over that. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the the less technical tax changes that are going on that you need to be aware of also as a business owner, as well as some additional places you could look to get assistance. Um, So Teresa, I'm going to turn it to you again here on the unemployment considerations and the things that we should be thinking about as business owners. Sure. Um, Well, and I think, like you said, Katina, we're trying to highlight the business provisions, but we wanted to make sure we included unemployment here because for many business owners, thinking about their employees and making sure their employees are cared for and are um, going to make it through this tough time as well is a really, you know, something that's top of mind. I know I was talking with another client this week and her whole concern was not on her cash flow, but what is going to happen to my employees if I can't pay them and they have to go on unemployment. And so um, as part of this CARES Act, the federal government did expand unemployment. They, I think some of the legislators called it unemployment on steroids. Um, And so what they, their intention was, was to basically make more people eligible for unemployment and increase the amount that you would get if you did qualify for unemployment benefits. And so uh, just as a um, some background on unemployment, unemployment laws and rules vary based on the state you live in. And so unemployment is a state program. And in order to qualify for unemployment benefits, you have to apply directly with your state. And every state will have its own rules on how it calculates who's eligible, what your percentage of pay is when you're unemployed. And so what the federal government layered in with this bill was to add $600 per week per per employee or per person that's unemployed that would go on top of their state benefits. And that would be for up to four months. Uh, What's important to note is that that only happens if a state if the state signs an agreement with the federal government. And so each state, um, I think, you know, most people are saying most of the states are definitely going to do this, but the state would need to sign that agreement in order for this additional $600 a week to be um, available for unemployment in each individual person's state. So uh, if you are considering layoffs or furloughs of your employees, uh, they may potentially be eligible for more benefits through your state. Um, and so that's just something that we wanted to, um, to to mention. I think the other thing that goes along with this that we've talked with some of our clients about is that, you know, um, you you have to also think about your business. And again, I think right now we're so wrapped up in all, the, you know, how crazy things are and how different everything is. But hopefully, eventually, we will come back to some kind of normal. It might be not be the same normal we're used to, but hopefully, you know, the economy will start moving again and we will be back to being able to run businesses. And the thing is, um, you know, whether you lay off an employer or not may make a difference on whether you have a business at the end of all of this, 
So if you have that information, it can really help you feel like, okay, my employee can meet their bills, they can feed their family, you know, those kinds of things. So it's just uh, helpful. It's a little bit of a, I think, a relief for some business owners to know that there's this additional funding that their employees that they're having to lay off or, you know, choosing to lay off in order to make the business viable, um, you know, and hopefully after this period, these people can come back and have jobs. If the business doesn't make it, um, you know, they're not going to have that option. So again, from a longer term perspective, looking at that and knowing this is available um, can really be helpful. Um, one other thing I did want to point out is that um, if you are uh, operating as an independent contractor business, um, you also have that option for yourself. So it's something also that you could look into as well. They, this is expanding the application of who qualifies for unemployment. So it's something that you can also consider uh, in that situation too. So anything else you wanted to add to this, Teresa? Nope. I think that's great that you pointed out that, yes, that's um, unheard of that somebody who's self-employed could qualify for unemployment, but that was part of the federal bill as well. Right. And my assumption is that some of the, what they want the state to agree to is to expand those kinds of things so that more people will qualify and be able to get this funds. I haven't looked into the exact what the agreement is, but uh, that would be my my guess as to what they're doing. Um, okay, so moving a little bit into the tax changes that came along with the CARES Act um, and and surrounding this whole situation, um, as many people are likely already aware of, there's the tax deadlines have been changed and pushed back. Um, so that's something to, you know, just work with your tax professional on as far as when you should be filing um, and you know, giving them a little bit of grace and everything that's going on and things that are changing. Um, they are, uh, a lot of them, looking at prioritizing those who are in a position for refunds so that they can get money quicker to, again, help them get through these these times too. So work with them and coordinate and coordinating that with the new deadlines that have come out. Okay, additionally, um, we talked a, a little bit before about the employee retention credit, but just to kind of reiterate that, um, there is a retention credit that's available also on this, the Form 7200 we spoke about previously. Um, and it's 50% of wages, up to $10,000 in wages per employee. So if you're paying them that much, you can get up to $5,000 per employee. Again, it's based on their actual wages. And then there's some caps and limits around this that you need to be aware of that we don't have time to go into all the nitty gritty details on right now, but you want to make sure you qualify and what those qualifications look like when you're trying to think through all of this. So work with the professional that can help you do that. Additionally, they have expanded the NOL carrybacks. So there's more availability on that at this point. Um, so again, if you're in that position, knowing you know what can, you can do with that. So again, you want to be talking with your tax professional there. They're also allowing um, refunds at this point for corporations for their alternative minimum tax credits that are kind of remaining on their books. So they're they're allowing that. That's a little different situation than it has been in the past. Increasing corporate charitable deduction limits. So if there's charities that you're giving money to, they're increasing the ability to be able to deduct that. Um, and again, there are other uh, more technical changes that uh, we're not going to go over right now, but you want to make sure, again, that you're talking to your tax professional about your specific situation and what this means for you. In getting into 
a little bit further, there's also a lot of other just programs to be aware of aside from what's come out in the CARES Act. Um, so Teresa is going to go over a few of the state and type private assistance that you can look for, apply for, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that to uh, wrap things up here. Yeah, thanks, Katina. Um, yeah, so most everything we've been talking about so far is all at the federal level. Uh, we wanted to make sure to mention that states are all coming out with their own types of assistance programs and grants. Um, and so it's important, we're not going to go into any one state in particular, but important for the state you're in to take a look at what your state is coming out with um, for potential help for small businesses. Um, and just note, same thing, um, that if you're looking into some of these programs, that you're really making sure you take the time to understand and read what the terms are, what the conditions, some of the state grants um, may be reduced by what you're getting at the federal level. Um, you know, we talked about um, the forgiveness under the federal PPP program and also the $10,000 grant under the EIDL federal loan. Those are not taxable income to a business, but some of the state grants could be. And so you, again, we just want to make sure that you're fully understanding the types of assistance that might be available before you accept it. Um, besides state assistance, we've also been um, seeing a lot of just um, private types of programs that are coming out. Um, you know, a lot of our um, clients use QuickBooks, um, which is made by Intuit. And if you go to Intuit's website, they have um, some funding and some crowd um, GoFundMe crowdsourcing funding for small businesses. Um, they're also doing some things for their um, for their small businesses that have loans and have uh, lending through Intuit. So that's a place to check. Katina, I know you were talking about one of your clients that um, has a certain kind of software and that software is um, has some programs for um, its customers in that specific industry. And so, um, you know, if you're a small business that's struggling, make sure you check with other people in your industry um, and your state to see what other types of programs might be out there. We're seeing so, you know, a lot of caring people, a lot of caring businesses that are trying to do what they can to help others. And so make sure you do a check to see what other things besides the federal programs might be available. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, there's just a lot of help out there. So check into things, take a little bit of time to figure it out. Um, again, I think the the biggest takeaway from this is that there is help out there, but you also want to be working with a professional to help you sort through the weeds of all of this. Um, there's, uh, you know, as Teresa mentioned, this 800 page document that's being filtered through. And in addition to that, um, when the lawmakers put stuff through, they don't always think through the how to's and exactly how this is going to work and how it's going to, you know, be defined and how do you define an employee and all these things. Um, so there's going to be additional regs and things and clarifications coming out, I'm sure, around this. So you want to be you know, closely working with somebody who's keeping tabs on that. So, um, so I think that wraps up, you know, kind of our update here. Again, we just want everybody to at least be aware high level of the things uh, that are available and what they can look into and uh, put what we can out there to help everybody. Perfect. And thank you so much, Katina and Teresa for taking the time, like I said, to put this outline together to, I, you've attended hours and hours of courses on these topics. So I, I think it's amazing that you've been able to kind of compile the most applicable information for business owners here. Um, and like Katina mentioned, we are putting together that live webinar next week. It's going to be April 8th 
at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, so we will put more information on our landing page at pjscpas.com forward slash business survival guide. So you can go there and register for free and attend that course. And we encourage you, as always, to share this with your community, any business owners that you know that could benefit from having this information, if they're looking for resources, if they're looking for assistance programs, please you know, share this information so that they can get access to this as well. Um, thank you again, ladies, for hopping on today and giving us the 411 on this 800 pages of information. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having us, Megan. <laughs> All right. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.